Well, good morning, Bridge City Church. Here we are in North Braddock. Come on, are you excited about Jesus today? I am. And I just want to take this opportunity to welcome all of those that are online with us today, or maybe you're watching throughout the week, and also those who are on the Faith and Family channel as well. We welcome you, church. Can we just welcome them as well with us today? Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending this time with us. Wow, we have a special treat for you today. But before I get started with the message today, I just want to mention that um, Pastor John Schaefer, who's the campus pastor here at Bridge City Church, North Braddock, he is actually, um, he's away today in Mongolia, okay, just to let you know. He is on a mission trip. He's uh, teaching at a Bible school there, training up leaders, dozens and dozens of leaders are being trained up. He and Pastor Gary from uh, Brighton Heights, uh, they traveled there. And uh, so right about that, they're, they're 12 hours ahead of us. And so they're training leaders, equipping them. So we're gonna continue to pray for him and pray for uh, Christine, uh, his wife. She's back in kids ministry today, doing what she loves. Can we, can we pray for that team that's out today? Let's pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Pastor John and what a blessing he is. And God, I pray, Father, a blessing upon their ministry in Mongolia today. Multiply the ministers as a result. Lord God, train and equip dozens and dozens of people that dozens of churches are gonna be planted, Father. People's lives are gonna be spiritually transformed as a result of this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. And, uh, and I'm praying for you that, listen, this year, I'm praying that many, many people right here at Bridge City Church are gonna sign up for a missions trip you're gonna, be, you're gonna go to Guatemala, Honduras, Buffalo, or down to South Texas with me later on this year. I'm urging you to step out in faith and let's do it together, amen? Come on, here we are. We're, um, we're beginning a brand new series here and it's entitled, You Asked For It. So if it's not a good series, huh, you asked for it, come on. Yeah. We, um, in, in all four of our campuses, we, um, we ask people for questions and topics that you'd like to get covered, and, and 84 responses came in with a lot of multiple questions, and, um, and so we're going to break them down over the next several weeks, and probably going to actually take months to get through, and we're going to do that, and why is this so important? Because um, we, we want to we, we have a foundation of what does the Bible communicate? What does the Bible communicate and how can we understand it right now? Like to give you an example, there's a lot of things that, that people say and we think they're in the Bible, but they're really not. There's a lot of things. Um, now, how many of you ever heard this one? God won't give me more than I can handle. Have you ever heard of that one? I won't tell you, that's a lie. That's not true. Now, now I'm just gonna let you know, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that he won't give you more temptation than you can handle, truth, but God has constantly given me more than I can handle. That, that, that makes me go back to him because I need him. I mean, I, I, how many of y'all know that God lives at the end of your rope? When you get to the end of your rope, it's a good place to be, because that's where Jesus lives. I mean, God's always given me more, so I'm depending on him and trusting him. That's why it's called faith. And we're called to live a life of faith, right? That means I can't do it on my own. That's why. 
And so we're going to be uncovering a lot of these things and things we think are in the Bible really aren't in the Bible, etc. here. So, so you, you submitted questions here in, 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 in why. And I want to just start off with a couple of verses to kind of launch us here. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1. You should know this, Timothy. The Apostle Paul is writing to a young minister. And he says, you should know this, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Perilous times. I mean, this means like times that are going to be overwhelming, difficult to cope with, very harsh. How many of you realize we live in difficult times? Do you live in the world I live in? It's getting crazy. It's getting crazier every day. But he gives an answer later on in verses 16 and 17. But, he, but he, he says like, okay, Timothy, this is what I want you to do. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. Now, he, uh, now we're, we're using scripture as the Bible here. The Bible, the word of God is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Wow. To make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. How many of y'all believe that? So in difficult times, and with questions that we really have, we need to go back to what does the Bible clearly communicate? And how does it communicate? Now, I'm not gonna break down all of these words, but we're gonna be launching from this. We're going to be launching from this probably every week and like, okay, how, are, how, are we, how can we have a framework and a paradigm that frames the Bible that can affect us in 2023? Because there's a lot of craziness out there. There really, really is. I don't know if you know this or not, but pr- most likely if, if all the um, prognosticators are, are correct and all the surveys are correct, We're less than 25 years away if the trends continue that we will no longer be a Christian nation. I personally don't believe we're a Christian nation now. That's just my personal belief. But but what I mean by that is statistically, there will be under 25% of the people in the United States of America ascribe to a Christian faith. Difficult times are coming and we need to know what the word of God communicates and that's why we're doing this because we're, 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 we're like like how do we figure this thing out how do we do this what what are we going to do here so here's the big idea here's the big idea I want you to catch this here fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ are there any fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ here today come on come on will grow as we continue to have a faith that seeks understanding see we have to have a faith that seeks understanding Not my pastor says, not my mom and dad say, not my grandparents say, not Pastor Rick says, not my church says. No, we have to have a faith that seeks understanding by starting with the foundation of Scripture, striving to be teachable, correction, reproof, and submit to the Holy Spirit to help us. This is the framework by which we look at questions of life. How many of y'all have questions about life? I do. I really, really do. And, and so we have these questions and we have these tensions that we're living in. And we want to uncover some of these tensions that we have in life. 
in how we need to manage these tensions through how do we start with scripture, how do we strive to be teachable, and how do we submit to the Holy Spirit. Now we're gonna do something different today. How many of y'all are nervous? You see two, we see two stools up here today, okay? That's not because I'm gonna sit on one and then move to the other. What I'm gonna do, and I want you to um, help me give a great big warm welcome to uh, Tyler Lachlan's gonna come up and help me today. And we're gonna do this together. And uh, Tyler is, um, uh, he's one of the elders of our church. And, and you're probably saying, what does that mean? That means um, he is, uh, he helps us with um, four basic areas. He's part of our board. He is, um, and I want to let you know that Tyler's a great elder. I mean, you should give him a hand again for that one. I mean, he is great. And, uh, and he is super, super good. Uh, he helps us with doctrine, discipline, dollars, and direction. That's basically what, what elders do here. And so um, we meet on a regular basis. He helps us with all those things. And um, he's, uh, he's a great asset to our church. Mostly the things he does are behind the scenes. But he's going to be up front, actually not only this week, but next week too. And, um, and we're going we're gonna to work together. Are you excited about this? I'm really excited about this. Come on. And, um, and I just want to let you know, like, we, we, we kind of have an outline but we're not scripted. It's not like we don't have a script. You say this and I say this. We're gonna have a conversation. And I've given him free reign to keep poking and prodding. But I get that, I get that right too. Come on, somebody, yeah. And, uh, and so we're just gonna have a conversation about some questions here. And some really cool questions came in. But we're gonna start with an understanding. In an understanding, um, it's a sport that I like a lot. And it comes... Um, it's tennis courts, okay? And so we're gonna start with this understanding of tennis courts. And there's three tennis courts up on the screen that you can see here, even if you're watching at home. Now, one thing I've learned about tennis is this, is that if we're gonna play tennis, we have to be on the same court. This is really deep, isn't it? Hey, it's good. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> That's good, come on. Like, you might wanna write that down, okay? And there's three courts that people can play on. The first court, the first court is, is doctrine, doctrine. Now, I wanna let you know, if we're gonna have a conversation first about the Bible, if we're gonna play tennis, if Tyler and I are, we, we, need to, we, we have to hit the ball back and forth. But if, if we're on a different court, we can't play. And a lot of times, there's different courts that we play on. The second court. The second court is conviction or our personal experiences. So these are the things that we have seen, that we've experienced that have shaped us uh, and, and that give us a way to, to frame how we live our lives. Um, but it's not something that we find specifically in doctrine or in how the Bible spells it out. Yeah, so the first one is, is if we're gonna have a conversation about what does the Bible clearly communicate, that's on doctrine. But then we all have personal experiences. I'm sure you have some, I have some, yeah. and some of them are good and some of them are not so good, right? And then the third one, the third one that we have here, and this is where you help out a lot, is community standard. Yeah, th this is really important because there's different ways of looking at things, but we have, you know when you're at your house, you have your house rules, 
You know, maybe we eat dinner at a certain time or we pick up all our toys before we go to bed. Maybe we have certain language or certain words that we use to describe things. Those are our community standards. Uh, one of the ones that we were talking about with our A-team this morning is just the difference between calling someone a volunteer or a servant. There's, there's different meanings to words and different ways that we look at things within our own church, within Bridge City Church. So what happens is this. We start having questions about the Bible, have questions in life, and and a lot of times we want to have a spiritual conversation about what is in the Bible. But what happens is, is somebody jumps over and they start talking about their personal experience. Well, I met somebody who. I was in a church that. Oh, no, no, no. You just jumped three courts. You went from the Bible past your personal experience over to a community standard. And if we're going to talk, we have to stay on the same court. And a lot of times, especially those who have teenagers, how many of you have teenagers? You will have a teenager. How many of you were a teenager at any time? Okay, whoever were, very good, I see those hands. Yeah, what happens even in, in, in this is this, is you need to mark this down because in having communication with young people, especially teens and those in their 20s, they switch courts all the time. You're having a conversation, this is what's in the Bible, and they jump to personal experience, community. So we're gonna give you an example of one. So, Pastor Rick, Mm -hmm. how do we deal with alcohol? How do we deal with alcohol? Is this like alcohol you drink or rubbing alcohol? Uh, Let's hope that we're not drinking rubbing alcohol. That's a good clarify clarify and verify. Clarify and verify. Let's talk about alcohol that you you might drink. Okay. So, doctrinally, what do we feel like the Bible says about um, drinking alcohol? We know very clearly in the Bible that it talks about not being drunk. Now, what is that level? What is that level? I know this is the first question young people ask me all the time. Well, what's, the, what's the level, you know? What's the blood alcohol level, mm-hmm. you know? Well, obviously, if you have more in your system than you're allowed to drive with, I think that's too much. Um, so the Bible communicates not being drunk. That's what we know. Yeah. Now, I do want to make this caveat here. If you have an issue with alcohol, an addictive personality, or it's ever been a problem to you, stay away from it in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, do everything you can to be far, far away from it. Okay? I want to make that really clear. Yeah, no, that's a good Because, I mean, the Bible talks about staying away from things that can bring harm or cause harm in our lives. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, so there we go. So then it moves into those convictions or personal experiences. What is, what is your personal conviction? Oh, I'd rather talk I know about other people's personal convictions. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, personal conviction is, is this. I'm going to be really honest with this one here. And is that um, I, I, obviously the Bible's very, very clear on not being drunk. Not being drunk with alcohol. But it also communicates, the Bible does communicate, and this forms my personal conviction, that I should not let my liberty cause somebody else to stumble. The Apostle Paul addresses that. He says, just because you have liberty, he uses meat in that case, don't don't eat meat if it's causing other people to stumble. It's like if you work with a bunch of Catholic people during Lent, don't have a cheeseburger at lunch. I know that because I used to do that and say, I have liberty. And God was saying, stop it. I'm being honest. So, no, that, so, so my personal conviction is, can you partake in alcohol? I, I want to say yes. We have to govern ourselves, but you're not 
Don't get drunk. Don't be, don't let it alter your mind, okay? But even though you have that liberty, don't do it in any way that might cause somebody else to look at you and stumble. Yeah, and then when we move into community standards, we do have community standards here at at Bridge City Church. One of the things that we say is, we don't want to see alcohol present at any church function. So that applies to connection groups as an example. We're meeting together in homes. Sometimes we're meeting out. You might go to a restaurant with someone. We're not going to be partaking of alcohol at a bridge city function. That's a community standard that we have. And part of that goes back to that idea of not wanting to have someone else stumble, not wanting to trip someone else up and maybe push them into something that we don't want to. Do you want to add anything else to well, that I think like, Does that make sense in those three courts? Because there's three courts that we have to talk with. And, and again, if you're in that middle court and you have an issue with alcohol or your family does or it's ever been a problem with drugs and alcohol, your personal conviction should, should be like never, no way, no how. Okay? But you can't say everybody, everybody must. Right. So you've got to be on the right court at the right time and have those conversations accordingly. Our community standard is really, really clear. We don't have any church event with it, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and as a leader, we don't, we don't flaunt any liberty in any way, shape, or form because we don't want anybody else to stumble. Good tension? Is that a good example? So that, that's all I got to say about that one. But keep, that, keep those three courts in your mind as we go through. Yeah, it's so important, and, and I would even say it goes beyond just talking with teenagers. Take this a just to your relationships in, in general, maybe with your relationship with your spouse. If you want to make sure you're clearly communicating, make sure you're on that same court. It's all, this can be applicable in all facets of your life using that framework. But I know nobody here has ever had a conversation with their spouse that they weren't communicating perfectly. Yes, exactly. I, okay, I good. I just, wanted to just, I just wanted to clarify that. You, know, that you might have a friend. You might yeah. have a friend. Maybe a that friend. will help them out along the you way. You have a friend. And, and speaking, speaking of friends, we had a lot of people that did submit questions. Correct? Yeah. And, and we really tried to take and break them down and, and answer as many topics as possible by distilling those, those questions down. And, and so we're going to attempt today to really look at a whole category of questions in, in really two two main facets. And so we're looking at questions today because questions came up around gender identity, Questions came up around, like, why doesn't God just kill Satan? Why, why, why is this still a deal that we have to, I love to that struggle question. with? Right? Whoever submitted that question, thank you. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> and, and why do we continue to sin even after we're saved? Like, why does that struggle still happen? These, these are real things, real questions, and it's important that we get these because this is going to help us create that foundational knowledge and taking us back to Scripture. So we're not stuck wondering you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Let's, let's get into and dig into what the word of God actually has to say about it. Yeah, and you know, I, I think really at the, at the core of these questions is this. It's the human condition. I want you to catch this. I think at the core of our questioning, and this is a struggle, like why, this is it, why do bad things happen to good people? This is I mean, how many in this room, be honest, how many of you have ever wondered that? Yeah, there's a lot of hands here, yeah. and probably those of you at home are raising your hand as well. Yeah, it's one of those oldest questions that we have. We, we hear stories, or we might have personal relationships where we see someone 
uh, get cancer, someone gets mugged or beat up, uh, prayers aren't answered, things that, things that we see that people struggle with. And the Bible's full of examples of that as well. As we look to what happened in the whole book of Job, we see this story of a man who uh, has to deal with losing family members, losing wealth, losing crops. But all the way along, he gives glory to God. and He, he declares that his Redeemer lives. And, and we see Joseph, uh, the, the account of Joseph, he gets dropped in a pit by his brothers. He gets sold into slavery. All of these things happen. But we can see as we look into Scripture, and we start more towards the beginning, it's a good place to start when trying to figure out how God defines how we see good and bad. Yeah, and, and I think, so here it is. Here, are you ready for some answers here? You asked for it. Look at your neighbor and say, you asked for it. Come on, you asked for it. There you go. I know what they're thinking. I didn't ask this one. I didn't ask this one. Yeah. Okay, but y'all going to get it anyhow because it's, it's a fundamental belief here. Yeah. And so I think it goes back, first of all, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Why do, and I think we have to, we have to look here. So we're really answering the question about the human condition. You got to grab that. What's the human condition? condition. And here it is. Um, go ahead. Why don't you read that? Yeah, absolutely. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And so we see God has created creation in a way that is good. If he is the creator and he is intrinsically good, we can, we can know that he made this for a purpose, for a good purpose. And where the bad things come into play is a little bit later on. You know, we look right here and we can see that God's original design for creation was good. So you want to... and, 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 and with that, if you can go back there just for a second to, to Genesis 1. Did you ever think there would be a day and age, and you're going to date yourself, that this would be challenged in our, in our world? Actually, if, write down, if you're taking notes, write down Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Because it says we, have to, we receive this by faith. Okay, we receive this by faith. So here's the idea that we have to go to. Here's the human condition. We have to realize that we were created by God, for God. So, so see, if you, if you can take this out, and we're gonna, I'm going to un unpack this in a little bit, but this is a foundational piece of the human condition. We were created, male and female, by God, but for God. Now, this is paramount to our Christian faith. And that, that when we grab a hold of this, it's so very important. Yeah, and, and talk about even just the first parts of Genesis, what that lays out for us as oh, we look at the rest of the man, Bible. Man, li listen, it, th this, will get, this is going to get me going here, right here. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Listen up. Genesis 1, 2, 3. If you can do without Genesis 1, 2, 3, you take away the need for Jesus in anybody's life. Matter of fact, it's been said that a worldview, everything we, we believe in the Christian faith and worldview is found in Genesis actually 1 through 12. But actually, if you can undo chapters 1, 2, 3, you undo the need for redemption of man. That's why this is so important that we receive it by faith. As a matter of fact, 
And you're a lot younger than me, if you didn't know. Okay. In universities, secular universities, in most studies, it states that within the first 72 hours of a student showing up at a, at a secular university, they attack Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Because if they can undo Genesis 1, 2, 3, every student becomes their own God. They become in charge. Now, yeah. when you went to, did you find that in school? I don't know if it did or not. Go. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit younger than Pastor Rick, but I'm not so young as to remember the first 72 hours of, of my Penn State experience. Um, but I would say it's definitely present in, in the college campuses. And I would say even beyond that, if by some chance it missed you in college, media and movies and television is continually hitting you with this idea challenging creationism and challenging, did the, did the Bible account of the creation really happen that way or is that just a joke or a lie that we tell people to, to help uh, convey a different message? And it's, it's so present in, in both of those categories, I really feel. Oh, it, this is running rampant right now. And again, we, many of us maybe been in church so long, we just take it for granted. But we don't realize that if you undo God created, and if you undo what we're going to go next is Genesis 3, I'm telling you, like this is what normally happens. They get, they, secularism and humanism gets you to doubt that God created. And if you doubt God created, and then you doubt, then it leads to the next one. And really what they, this is how it happens. I just had a, a conversation with somebody, and they, and they stated this. They said, look, I, was, it, was it a literal six days or a figurative six days? It's all just poetry in a story. Mm. What we're really talking about is exegesis and how to interpret the Bible. But if you can cause a little bit of doubt, then the whole thing goes away. Are you, are you tracking it? Like, that's why this is so important. Yeah, and, and it goes even further into Scripture. If you can start doubting and invalidating the beginning of scripture, then it all just becomes a house of cards. The next time you try and stand on something that the Bible says, someone is going to come back and say, well, but you already said this isn't really what happened. So why should I now believe you when you say this? Right. Yeah. Doubt this. And therefore the rest of the book doesn't matter. And what we have, listen, listen, let, let me say it again. I'm going to say it again for those of you watching, everybody here, listen to me. It's so that you can become your own God and there's no absolutes. As long as there are no absolutes, but when a society and a culture has no absolutes, the society becomes unstable. What we are experiencing in our country right now is an instability because we've done away with absolutes and we've done away with, with the God factor of our belief system were then created by blank for ourselves. Yeah. When we take away that by God, for God that we just read about in Genesis 1. Good. Is that helpful to you? Does that help? Now, let, let's jump over to Genesis 3. Yeah, Genesis 3. And, and listen, what, Genesis 3, it's where the serpent showed up. And you see a lot of memes, a lot of little stories, little tidbits, like making fun of this. It didn't really happen. They make a joke of it. You know, they really do. But you know, the serpent shows up and he tempts, you know, tempts the woman. But when we get on to verse three, verse three, you must not eat the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. 
And now let me just communicate this right, right here in verses three through five. God created us with a free will. Right. We're, we're gonna come back to this. I believe very strongly in free will. God created us a free will, not to be a puppet. But then we go on in verse six, that when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked, okay, and that they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings. Enter sin into the world. This is, again, if you do away with God created, now enter sin. If you do away with those two things, we don't need a redeemer anymore. Right. There's no need for Jesus. Are you tracking this? That's why this is so important. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to unpack free will a little bit right now, or do you want to save that for um, questions? Well, let's, let's, let, let me just give this a little bit. Free will. God created us not to be robots. Right. God created us for relationship, not for just to, to, to function and obey all these rules. And when we present Christianity as only rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, we miss the relationship that he's created. And he's created us for intrinsically for a relationship. Mm -hmm. But free will says... Free will isn't free will unless you can choose. We, gotta, we get to choose God. We can choose him. And God's created us with the ability to live in victory with him and through him. I'm getting excited. Yeah. It, it just points to all of the different places in the Bible where we're where called to yeah. repent. And, and Jesus wouldn't call us to repent if, if we didn't have that ability to come to him. Yeah. And so... Really, why do, let's go back to the core question. Yeah. Why, okay, now, why do bad things happen to good people? Nobody really ever says, why do good things happen to good people? Yeah. Nobody ever asked that question. No, really. Well, I deserve it. No, I don't really think that's true. You know, I don't deserve it. I deserved hell. See, this is the gospel message, right? I couldn't earn it on my own. But God's grace was extended here. And so why? So this core piece of then why do things happen? We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. So sin is missing the mark. Death, the results of sin are death. Romans 3.23. So if the results of sin are death, the wages of sin are death, separation from God, therefore we need a redeemer, Right? So sin is the issue. We don't, I don't have a problem. I don't have an issue. We had a sin problem, not an issue problem. That's right. Y'all good? Okay. Just, again, thoughts along the way. I'm trying to help you. Yeah, I, I love that John, or 1 John 1, 1, 8 says that if we, are, if we have no sin, we, we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it goes back to, again, you know, we, we don't complain about good things happening to good people, but when we look at, are we good people? Are we really apart from that sin without Christ? And then the answer is pretty clearly no. Yeah, I mean, we have a sin problem. And, and, so, and so again, going right to the, the, the deal here, why do we suffer? Why is there pain and suffering? Why as a Christian do we have pain and suffering? Why? 
Well, I'm, 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 gonna give you, I'm gonna give you three reasons. What does it do in our lives? Why, what about the purpose of bad things? Number one, it points us to eternity. It points us to a, a place and a time where there's more to it than what we're experiencing right now. Number two, it reorients us to God. It points me back to God. And number three, it equips us for a deeper use. And if you wanna write down a verse there, 2 Corinthians 2, three through six. 2 Corinthians 2, three through six. All the things I go through are for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you break down a little bit more about how it reorients us to God? Because sometimes when we deal with the bad things that happen to us or to other people, we feel like it tends to push us away or maybe it creates that separation Man. as we isolate ourselves. You know, I've, I've definitely seen friends who have had bad things happen to them and the last thing they want to do is show up to church on a Sunday morning and, and worship. Um, I think when we try to find meaning without God, we fall short. Yeah. So the first of all, it starts with eternity, but then I have found God in my Oh man, um, my deepest, darkest times of my life. I have gone through really, really dark and challenging times of suffering. I know it's odd for a pastor to say that. I'm gonna let you know something else. I wrestle more with God now than I did 30 years ago. The older I get, the more questions I have, the more challenges and more tensions I feel that I wrestle with God. But if it, it should be pointing me back to him, not driving me away, that I find comfort with other people. And so really, get, like, let me try to explain it this way. I think in our Christian lives, we think the goal is to become more independent and more self-sufficient when that's not the goal. The goal is that we become more interdependent with one another and more dependent on him. This bothers humanism. This bothers secularism. And the human condition drives me back to saying it reorients that I belong to God and, and, and I'm dependent on him and that's a good place to be because I'm gonna spend forever with him. And he reorients my life. He doesn't always solve my problems. That's, yeah, that's key to bring up. And, and I think as yeah. we look at how to respond to that, how important it is to be more dependent on each other and more dependent on God, he's not creating us to, to exist in strong isolation. And he knows that we're gonna run into these things in life. And you know, a lot of questions came up uh, at, around gender issues, abortion, racism, uh, addiction. You know, we've seen over 40 school shootings alone in the first part of this year. So we can see the impact that our human condition has on the world, that fallen condition because of sin. But we need so often to get reoriented back to God. I think pain and suffering and sometimes bad things are the megaphone, and that's used in a, in a quote by C.S. Lewis, is the megaphone that gets our attention. It's the megaphone screaming, we were created for more. 
We were created for God, and we were created by God and for God. And through our deepest times of suffering, he, can, he comforts us, and he, he brings meaning to us and through us. Yeah, and, and with sin in the world, with these bad things happening, it's a struggle that we, we have. And as I talked about earlier, called out one of the questions is, you know, why do we continue to sin even though we know it's wrong? But so much of it comes down to struggle versus just kind of, this is how I am. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is who I am. Well, I, I, there's sin and I deal with it. But we miss out on that struggle so much. Mm-hmm. So help, help us understand a little bit more about why we still see that, that struggle with sin and, and why wow. we continue to do what, what's wrong even though we know what's right. And here's question two. We just moved in there. Very good. Listen, um, we're strugglers. I know you didn't come to church to hear that. You just <laughs> came to church to hear that we're all victorious and everything's going to be fine. And usually that means it's going to be fine for the next 15, 20 minutes we're together. And then you've got to go back to your real life. Have you ever felt like that in church? No, I'm serious. I have. In that we have a, we, I've been born again and my spirit is born again, but I have this thing called my flesh, my desires of the flesh, mm-hmm. that there's a war going on inside of me between my spirit man and my fleshly desires. Does anybody here have those same things? There's like four, five, six, yeah. We all do. Yeah. And so there's a struggle between am I going to be live out of my born again spirit self and my fleshly, I'm going to do whatever my nature wants self. Henceforth, the struggle that we all have in life. Oh, the Apostle Paul had this. Yeah. He, that, that's one of the, the things that encourages me the most whenever we look at scripture is we weren't, we're not reading uh, a text about people that were perfect and yeah. had it all figured out. The Apostle Paul was willing to be vulnerable and show us exactly the type of ways that he was dealing with struggles. I mean, we're all like that. Don't you like it when you're struggling but you find somebody struggling more? Yeah, we all do it. You know, I'm struggling, but as long as somebody's struggling a little more, then I'm doing Okay. Am I right? I mean, the Apostle Paul, it's like, wow, I didn't know the Apostle Paul had problems. At Romans 7, by the way, Romans 7, about 13 to 16, right in there, the verses. The Apostle Paul, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing, I don't want to do, I do. Oh, my gosh, you know. Here's the Apostle Paul writing what we have as the New Testament. Oh, man, I'm struggling. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> There's hope for me. Come on, That's somebody. Right. Come on, how many of y'all finding hope right there? Come on. Yeah. Because we do. Yeah, we, we see in the, the Bible where it says that we're all a new creation in Christ, but some days we just don't feel that. Some days we feel that struggle that, that we're, why, why am I doing the same thing over and over again? Every time I, I fall on my face and I go back to God and God, help me, help me. Why am I still doing this? And, and it is really encouraging to be able to relate to uh, the Apostle Paul and the way he talks about that. Yeah. And I mean, so again, Galatians 5, another verse fruits of the spirit, like I, I, I do things that I want to do. How many of you ever tried to be God? This morning. <laughs> yeah, we all do, but how many of y'all know that doesn't end real well? Never does. Not once. But how many of y'all know we keep trying? Right? And, and, and so we have the struggle, 
but, but when we allow God to be God and I, and I submit to the spirit, remember number three, you start with the scripture. We strive to be teachable. We submit to the Holy Spirit and we get on the right court and we have these discussions. It's like, but I feel, no, I, I'm not gonna go by my feelings because my feelings lead me astray. How many of you ever had feelings lead you astray? Hands up all over the place. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Yeah, because we have this tension and we have this thing called sin in our lives. And that's the struggle. And, and when we talk about struggles, it's, it's clear when we look at our culture right now, some of the maybe hot topic or key struggles that we might see. And when we go back to what we talked about earlier with community standards, that's so important for how we filter through what we're seeing happening in, in culture today. So as, as we look at these areas of of transgenderism, uh, homosexuality, some of these hot topics that we see in, in, in our culture today and people being very vicious and attacking sometimes on both sides, how do we process through that in a, in a community standard way here mm. at Bridge City Church? Man. Thanks. Yeah, that's why I, I wanted to make sure I got to pass this one off. Yeah, yeah, he, he was quick with that. Did you notice <laughs> like. Let me start with, um, let me just start with an easy one. Not an easy topic to cover, but now there's no easy ones. Abortion. I believe that in the Bible, if you read, you know, you know Psalm 139 and other cases in Jeremiah's case, and um, the life begins at conception. It's a strong belief. That's, a, that's clearly doctrinal. Um, but statistically, get this one, 50% of the people in this room or watching online right now have either had an abortion or took somebody to have one. So when you bring that up, it brings an array of guilt, shame, condemnation. I can't change your past. So we have to create a safe place to be able to voice that so healing and comfort can come to you. Tension. Well, I feel that it should be right because, you know, and, and I mean, everybody loves to bring up, like, what about the mother's health? I mean, that's less than 1% of the abortions done. I'll give you the health one. Let's, so let's take that off the table. Let's deal with the 99 plus percent. How do we, we believe doctrinally this, we all have a personal experience, we know somebody or it was us, but the community standard is we don't push you out, we don't ostracize, we don't point fingers, yeah. we don't name call, we don't condemn, we bring healing but we're gonna do everything possible to help save babies and create a place now where every life has value. And, uh, and I'm gonna jump, I'll jump, want me to jump to another one? Yeah, jump to one, at least one more. One more, then... okay, y'all good? Y'all happy you came to church today? <laughs> and, uh, how about uh, homosexuality, 
uh, there's a lot of, like the transgender issue going on. Let's go back to our doctrines. Can you give me my tennis courts again? Thanks. There's the doctrine. God created us, male and female. Sin entered and separated. We all have personal experiences. I can't change your personal experiences. Our community standard is this. Jesus loved everybody. At Bridge City Church, we love everybody. We love everybody. That's critical. Very, very clear. So there's room to come and be here. And I'm going to say this. No matter what the sin issue is, But our community standard is we can't change the Bible in, in what we believe with that. So our goal is to want to bring redemption. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's where we're going here. But so somebody can come to the church, can be a part of the church, but we can't change that community standard. So there's three things. Yeah, God, when we look at him, we see a nice, interesting balance that sometimes we struggle to achieve in our own lives and our own hearts. But God is love, but he's also holy. He's set apart. He can't abide sin. And he's just. And when we focus on just one of those aspects, if we focus on the justice alone, we, we start to get out of whack. We start to get a little goofy. But on the other end of the spectrum, if it's only the love of God, and we we just, we love everyone, and we love, and we love, and we love, and we love, but there's no sanctification process. And and that word is just becoming more and more like Christ, becoming more refined, becoming closer to him, because he is holy. And if we want to be more like him, there's changes that have to happen in our lives. He's not the one who's going to change. And aren't we thankful for that? But we need to make sure that we are operating in that same way that God is with love, understanding that, that his church is holy and that there's certain things we're not going to compromise on. But he is just at the end of the day. So yeah. can you unpack that just a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, so we want to create a safe place to hear a dangerous message. A safe place, and, and I know that there's sentiment in the world right now that says, Hey, Jesus loved everybody, and Jesus gets me. Yeah, he gets me, but he doesn't leave me where I'm at. Thank God. Aren't you happy about that? I mean, really, and I'm being honest, and I'm not poking fun. I'm, I'm like, yeah, there's these tensions that we live with, these struggles and these wrestling that we do, but this is clearly what the Bible communicates, and our community standard is that you can come and be loved and experience God and allow him to bring transformation and change to our lives, no matter what our struggle is, and there's a difference between strugglers and this is the way God created me, Earth. Yeah. There's a difference between I struggle with this, I need to be interdependent and help me, and I'm learning to be dependent on God, I need the grace of God, and this is just the way God created me, learn to love it. Like if I came up here today and said, and my wife Natalie's here sitting in the front row, and I'd say, you know what? God created me with a high sex drive, so I, I got about five or six women on the side. 
Would any of you be okay with that? Do any of you think I would, I would live beyond noon? No. Yeah. Natalie says noon is stretching it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> See, but, but, like, but what I'm saying is, is there's a difference between coming to other brothers in Christ and saying, I'm struggling, help me. Yeah. I'm being honest with this guy, is it okay? I'm struggling with this, help me, to this is just the way God created me like it, and you ought to accept me just the way I am. But we love everybody, and that's the tension. We're, we're strugglers, and so there's a difference between those two things. And so the goal is, is this. This is it. This is it. we got to wind this down here. Is our goal is not just to try harder. It's to trust more. I'm not trying to get you all here today to try harder. How many of you have ever done that? Come on, try harder to be a Christian. Try harder to read your Bible. Try harder. What if we switched that and said, why don't we trust more? Because if I trust more, I'll be more dependent on him and I'll find him. And I'll find the love of God in the holiness of his people, in the justness of Jesus. Is that good? It's good. Tyler, you did good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to continuing to have these, these tough questions and trying to find that balance that exists and trying to find where Jesus' word illuminates the answers to what we have coming up over the next few weeks. Let's give Tyler a big hand. He's going to step up. Thank you very much. Thank you. And... Uh, how many of y'all, and be honest with me, how many of y'all that was helpful in some way? You found something helpful there, yeah. And uh, we're gonna continue to bring up the tennis courts, continue to bring up, like start with scripture, strive to be teachable, God teach me, and then submit to the Holy Spirit. What we're really talking about here today is this, and that is, the need for Jesus Christ. Genesis 1 and Genesis 3 screams and points to our need for Jesus. Does anybody here today need Jesus? So this is the gospel presentation. We were created by God and for God. God created us in his image. What he created was good and we were created for a relationship with God. But sin came into the world. Sin separated us from God. And no matter how hard we try to be good, we try to try harder, we try to do better, we try to do more, how many of y'all know that that never really worked out? It all fell short. Enter Jesus. Jesus stepped into our world, stepped into our lives. In my case, 43 years ago, Jesus stepped into my life. I never want to forget when he made me a new creation. Jesus made a way through the death, burial, and resurrection so that we could, what we call here at Bridge City Church, crossing the bridge, where Jesus Christ becomes the forgiver of our sin and the leader to our future. And now, we're gonna wrestle with 
what the Bible really communicates so we can continue to be pleasing to him and live lives. And we want as many people as possible to to get to heaven. You with me? No, I'm serious. Like if you believe heaven's really good, you ought to, I want as many people as possible to be there. Matter of fact, God put Bridge City Church on this planet so that we could populate heaven and depopulate hell. That's why he put us here. That's why we're here. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I don't want to offer you a rule book today. I want to offer you a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've been spending the last 43 years of my life learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm gonna continue to learn. I'm gonna continue to strive to be teachable. As long as I'm here on this earth, I'm gonna be teachable. I haven't arrived yet. Have you arrived? I haven't arrived. If you're here today and you know, and your mama knows and your aunt knows and your friends know that you have fallen short, there's sin in your life. You, You've been separated from God. I wanna offer you the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer because I want to teach you how to pray for people when they receive Jesus Christ. So together, we're going to say a prayer together. And I want to teach you how simplistic it is to become a follower of Jesus. Is that good? So let's pray together. Let's all say this together, even those of you at home. Say, Father God, forgive me, for I have sinned and fallen short. I receive your forgiveness. Now, Jesus, lead me into my future as a follower of yours. Holy Spirit, come. Teach me. Mold me. Make me into what you want me to be. In Jesus' name. That never gets old. That never, ever, ever, never gets old. As a matter of fact, I believe there are people there are people in this room right now, there's people online. You prayed that for the very first time and actually meant it with understanding in your heart, Genesis 1 and 3, and Jesus bringing redemption. And if that's you, if you're in this room right now, there's a card on your seat. And in just a moment, you're going to sit down and you're going to fill out this card. And on here it says, I want to make Jesus the forgiver of my past and the leader to my future. And you're going, check that off. And then when the offering basket comes along, you're going, you're going to put you in as an offering to God today. You're going to put you in. And if you're a first-time guest, you can do that as well. But you're going to sit down, there's pens there. I want you to fill that out. Just say, this is what I want in my life. So you can be seated. And we can do this together. So again, as the, as the baskets come around, you're going to fill this in. And you're going to do this. And we're going to continue. Over the next weeks, you want to stay tuned to how we're going to continue to answer. You asked for it. Hey, you're so great. Give Tyler a great big hand as he comes back here. Thanks for being so awesome.